think of the time and effort that that saves you rather than having to do all that research, right? And start from the very beginning. Here you have testimony from leaders, you know, whether they're local market leaders or whether they're large national leaders, but you've got that testimony. We helped one another and we actually helped one another convert builders as well. It just wasn't sharing marketing practices and processes. We, we actually helped each other convert builders. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I miss that. Welcome to episode 124 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today our special guest is Wally Schwartz, who is currently a consultant and a brand ambassador for Kohler. And formerly, he was the director of sales for the Builder Channel. Wally's been at Kohler for 42 years. And one thing we dive into, especially early on in the conversation, was culture, company culture. There's a unique culture at Kohler. You know, Wally's been a part of that. How do you effectively manage teams and production? And of course, for him, when he ventured out on this new uh, project for Cola, which was to build those relationships with the building community, just the challenges, the metrics, you know, how do you break down those doors? How do you network with also like minded companies to build? those sales channels? How can we apply that to us as small business owners, builders, architects, and designers to really build our companies to our peers and not just the client itself? And so he shared some important information, some things that really will help affect you know, your management style, your company culture, as well as that brand representation. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. And we have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Wally Schwartz. Welcome, Wally. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited although, to have you on. Although I wish I was there physically <laughs> in Phoenix rather than here in Chicago. It's 27 <laughs> degrees here and there's light snow right now. Yeah, January in Chicago is not the most favorable place. No, no but I'll work on it. You know, it's funny. I tell people I'd rather be, you know, having grown up in San Diego, you know, I'm a pretty <clears throat> fair weather climate guy, but I'd rather be in Phoenix in July than Chicago in January. So No, I hear you. I hear you. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm super excited to have Wally on. So Wally and I have met uh, off and on, you know, for the last few years, especially with CBUSA. And I want to get into this because what's really neat. So Wally has extensive experience. He's been at Kohler uh, substantial amount of years. Time. We won't tell. Yeah, we won't tell anyone how long. <laughs> but formerly, you were the director of sales for the Builder Channel, which Correct. we're going to dive into because it's amazing what you've done there. But also, right now, you're serving as a consultant and brand ambassador for Kohler. Right. And which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And Wally, it's amazing because, you know, with Kohler, you know, these last four or five years, I've been able to spend a lot of time with a lot of members and employees all throughout Kohler and all different facets and organizations. And what's amazing to me is the company culture. And not only that, you know, what they say about you, Wally, and the reputation you have there. And I, you know, to get started before diving into the Kohler side, you know, you have extensive experience, you know, working with people, building teams, you know, working with builders. You know, what do you feel sets the tone for good company culture? Well, I think it starts with, you know, you want to encourage and encourage the investment in your associates growth. You know, so I think that's very important. I think you need to recognize and and applaud uh, good work, innovation, engagement is important. I think it also has helped that Kohler has had a consistent record of success. So that's certainly helps the culture. Um, and I think, you know, the company at Kohler, and I think it's important in any company, you know, you want an atmosphere and a spirit of collaboration. And I've certainly experienced the, all of that and then some with my career with Kohler Company. Well, it, it, it's interesting. You, you said something right there. You said what's really important is you're, you know, especially I think from the manager role is really investing in the growth of your team. And I've never right. heard it said that way for a company culture, which you, there are some bases, you know, some basic things that employees need, right, to be driven. And they need to feel uh, that what they're doing is providing worth to the company, right, and to the right. brand. They're compensated. I mean, these are important things. But investment and growth, it really shows that if you really care about the growth of your team members, which you've done that, and I know a lot of team members that have been under your management now have, ex, you know, exceeded and grown into other roles there at Kohler. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's making sure that the employee stays engaged and that you're communicating, you know, with them constantly. I think, you know, communication is something we take for granted and listening is something that we and that I've taken for granted to some degree. And I'm constantly working on that, be it with 
uh, an employee or a former employee or being with a family member. But I, I think listening is, is, is really key as, as well. And, you know, there's also little things that you can do, you know, in terms of uh, increasing engagement and also helping with the culture. And, you know, it, they're kind of common sense things, Brad. I don't, I don't like to make things terribly complicated. <laughs> I don't think I'm a complicated guy. I've actually uh, been involved in a very complicated world, particularly with the world of national builders. And we will talk about that, I'm sure, later. But, you know, I like to think, uh, I, I like to keep things fairly simple. And, you know, it's, it's as simple as picking up the telephone or the cell phone on an occasional basis and talking to your associate or talking to an industry person, you know, maintaining that consistent contact, you know, and, and making sure that it's authentic as well. And, you know, there were other little things that I did and I actually still do. I, I think there's a lost art in sending a handwritten note to people. I mean, certainly Kohler has spot bonuses. I mean, we would do that occasionally for a job well done. You'd give a spot bonus to somebody, and I never overuse that either. And uh, my former direct reports will tell you that. But, you know, I think that a handwritten note, sincere note, uh, goes a long way also. And I've had people tell me that. I mean, they'll get my thank you note for doing a job well done, and then I'll get a thank you call as a result of that. And, you know, that's not the purpose. But that has has a big impact. And, you know, every once in a while you'd have a gift certificate or a gift card in there, but it was the note itself, the handwritten note that meant the most. And I mean, I still utilize the United States Postal Service <laughs> and I'll still, I'll still send, you know, typed letters to people, you know, on occasion. And I'm doing some of that, obviously, in my ambassador role. But, you know, I'll get calls. It's like, wow, I just got a letter in the mail from you. And, you know, sure, it's old fashioned, but I think some of those things, I mean, that's my nature, right? That's that's my personality, and some of that stuff, I think, goes a long way. I I love that you shared this, Wally, because I, you know, in my experience, especially in my company, there's been some certain experiences either with vendors, trade partners, suppliers, you know, clients, you know, that'll send a handwritten note for for different reasons, right? And right. it means so much more, especially in this age of technology. And there's a lot of benefits to to technology, and you know, absolutely. You know, I look back in construction, I'm like, I don't know how anyone ran a project with just a fax machine. Without cell phone numbers, but anyways, but but with that ad, you know, the advancement of technology, there there is a lost art in communication, as you mentioned. And one thing, I know some of us are busy, and it's funny because I'll send people voice text. That's one of my habits. Is I'll send voice text a lot. Yeah. And I get a hard time. They're like, Brad, why do you always send me a voice text? But I found that a lot of times with text or email, things can get lost in translation. They can be miscommunication Absolutely. because you can't you can't address uh, the tone of the voice, the tone of the of the message whether there's sarcasm involved or you're just happy mm. and so even with my team I'll send that if I don't you know they're busy maybe in a meeting and so I love that you spoke about a handwritten note and a phone call and how long that can go well and those are so easy and that's why I I mean <clears throat> they're I I look at my kids right and they text all the time in fact if you call them they won't answer, but they'll send you a text immediately afterwards, right? And and I think you lose something there. I mean, it loses, that connection loses its personality. And sometimes it's easy to hide behind text and emails versus, you know, an actual live conversation. So what do you feel, um, you know, when you're looking at how to motivate employees, and you've had a lot of experience working at Cola and worked on some amazing teams. You know, outside of what you mentioned, just giving them, investing in them and their opportunity and growth, I, I would imagine as a manager, there are times where there may be conflict internally with certain employees or with teams or maybe with some of your employees and the customer, the builder base you're working with. You know, how do you address and manage that when there is conflict or maybe not the best communication internally? Well, I <clears throat> I think what you want to do is you want to make sure you're you're operating or you're approaching this from a position of trust where the employee or the other side or whatever that, you know, that, that they trust you. Um, it, you know, I think it's looking at it from both sides and understanding each person's point of view. And again, I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier is I, I think it's listening 
And again, I mean, it sounds like, oh, geez, that's natural. Everybody can do it. But not everybody is a good listener. And uh, again, listening trust, I, I, I think, you know, the the opportunity for you to take ownership of the, the situation as well, you know, the buck stops here. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, with, with motivating and, and inspiring. You know, it's it's really leading by example, and also it's it's offering to support that person, right? Um, no matter what, I mean, you want to make sure that you're always behind your team and supporting them. But I think at the same time, you want to give them as much leeway. I tended, I, I hope my former managers would say this, but I tended to not get involved unless it was absolutely critical. I wanted them to be able to resolve the situation, uh, if at all possible. And if, if, it, if it wasn't possible or, or if they asked for my help, I certainly was there to, to support them. But I think you need to give people as much leeway as, as possible. And, 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 you know, again, maybe gently guide them from, uh, from behind or from the side. You know, and, and when you say that, when you say gently guide them from behind or the side, you know, I've heard a term many times in speaking with business owners such as yourself, Wally, where they're, you know, shadow leadership, right? Where yeah. you're you're essentially allowing them to lead. I mean, you may be the leader behind the scenes, but you're in their shadow, right? And and so right. you, you, you're not taking it from them and you're, you're finding a way to empower them and motivate them. And that is a lost art. You know, so many of us, and I, I relate it for me as a small business owner, you know, it's really easy you know, to want to be involved in every detail. It's really easy to, to be a micromanager. And it took time to really understand how do I allow each of my members to be successful and be empowered and not have to come to me. They can make the decision and let them know, hey, it's okay, make the decision. Right. You know, we can correct it if, if something's wrong. But I found that by doing that, as you mentioned, you know, the empowerment side and, and giving them that leeway to make those decisions, there comes a point where they flourish and where, you know, here I'm as the business owner and I'm like, Wait, you resolved that? I didn't even know that was happening. Like you took care of this sure. and you're off and running. And it, it's amazing to see once they step into that, you know, that role. But part of it, I would have to admit, is selfish motivation as well. You, you, you want great people, great managers that can do the work. And what that allowed me to do is it allowed me to concentrate on the most strategic relationships and also kind of expand my contacts above and beyond, you know, our primary audience. And um, it, yeah, I think that was that's really critical with having good people. You entrust the business to them. I love that you said that because it's it's not that it's selfish, but you're looking at you know a company. I mean, as a CEO, which you were while in your role, I mean, you're looking at you know growth and systems and relationships. And so by having them empowered, you're not having to be involved in every little aspect. They can go out and be successful. And now it gives you more ample space and time and opportunity to build these relationships and build this network and really grow, you know, your, your portion of Kohler, right? And, and Absolutely. build these builder relationships. Absolutely. So while we talk about this, cause I, I know, um, maybe before I, I'll get back to, you know, just your experience with Kohler, cause I want to dive into okay. this. But when we, last time I was with you, we were having mm -hmm. dinner and, uh, you had mentioned, you know, you had talked about, you know, how the build a program started. And this was many years ago. And I believe that you were essentially nominated in a way. So talk about how the builder, the director of the bills, uh, you know, that channel, how that started. Well, if, if you go way, if I can take the liberty of going back, sure. right. So, so yeah. in, in, when I, let's go back to, this would be 19. Oh my God. I'm aging myself. 1986. I was on the Sterling side of our business as manager of national accounts wholesale. So what I was doing in that role was was calling on the large national wholesalers and you know expanding our business with those people. And you know during that time there really was explosive growth with within the building industry and with with some of the top builders. They started consolidating and buying other builders and we were watching this growth and we were talking about it at a meeting, as I recall. And, and you know, given my background in field sales, and I'll go way back to my initial days in with Kohler in Pennsylvania, you know, I was calling on wholesalers, that was our primary target. But 
you know, I felt that if I spent my time at the wholesalers, you know, they were really the facilitators. They weren't the creators of, of and, and no disrespect, they, were, they served a wonderful role. But I felt that I would add much more value if I could create the sale for them and then pull it through. So I ended up spending a lot of my time with, with builders. And I absolutely love that. And I, you know, proved that I was of more value to the wholesaler by creating that business and pulling it through. Plus, I was controlling my own destiny. I wasn't one of many products on a shelf. I was actually controlling that that whole process. So if I interrupt so, you, so just to understand that for listeners, so what was yeah. happening, and this is many years ago, of course, when when this opened up, instead of going the wholesale route, you're you're meeting with the decision makers. You're meeting with the builder. Yeah, and the, local, them- the local merchant builder, right? Yeah. The, the brads of the world as a local sales rep, I was meeting with with those folks and with, you know, plumbing contractors and architects, but but really focusing on the builder because, you know, I was, I've always been interested in residential architecture. I think I may have told you that. And, and, and without going into, you, you don't have three hours for <laughs> the story, but I mean, I have a love for that. And at one point I thought I was going to be a residential architect. And then was like, you know what, uh, this engineering stuff and all this other stuff is not for me. <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I can appreciate it. Right. Yeah. So I do have an appreciation for that. And I have many books on residential architecture and it's still a a hobby for me. But anyway, let's fast forward back to this meeting. So we were talking about the explosive growth of of the builders and talking about it. And I had done some work, you know, in, in this position about the builder. And to make a long story short, I, I, I was at the right place and the right time. And I don't know whether it was so much being nominated as raising my hand first and, and then being nominated. And afterwards, it was kind of like, what have I gotten myself into? You know, th- think about it. We, we were starting a new sales organization. The sales organization wasn't selling direct to the builder. In fact, we weren't cutting a PO with, with Pulte or Toll Brothers or whatever, but we were trying to influence the sale and pull it back through. And I thought to myself, heck, I can do this. That's not going to be that difficult. Um, but but then, you know, you look at the complexity and, and a lot of these builders had multiple divisions and the divisions were highly autonomous. And then you had plumbing contractors that influenced the sale. You had build, you know, you had you had other people involved. Um, it was a very complex selling process. And, you know, calling on these large national builders, originally we focused on the top 25, Brad, times each builder had multiple divisions and you know it was it was almost like as my former boss likes to say it was really like herding cats in the beginning and uh but you know i i enjoyed doing it it certainly required a lot of a lot of time effort and travel and uh you know once we had that first success then we had our second success and uh you know success breeds success and we were able to hire additional people, and and uh, the the work was was difficult and uh, arduous, but it was it was fun. But how you know the question I've always had about this is trying to understand. You know, I think most companies to be revolutionary, right? You have to think outside the box. You have to create, yeah. you know, opportunity when there may not be any, right? And as you think about this, you know, one of the difficult things I'd imagine from Kohler's side is how do you track that? What metric do you have to know you're being successful, right? Because, you know, this isn't, and for you, I look at it from your side, Wally, here we are. Okay. We we understand that the point of sale is a distributor, you know, it may be the plumbing contract specified, but either way, that's how you're basing sales because you're not selling direct to the builder, to the plumber. And where it's complicated for you is it's not like today where I have LinkedIn, which is an instant cheat sheet. I can say, okay, Wally, is you know director of business sales, the builder channel. I can message him. I can connect with him. Right. I can build a rapport. You're trying, like you said, it's hurting cats. You're trying to go to these builders, these big national builders that have multiple divisions. Who do I speak to? You know, it's constant phone calls. Like, how did you even get your right. mind around? Yeah, we've had our successes, but what did that even mean at the time? Well, it <laughs> it was. Uh, that's a really good question, and and really, it was a source of frustration not only for myself, but I think for our senior leaders that wondered what the hell I was doing and, <laughs> you know, over, but I mean, we did prove ourselves. And I, I, I think that, you know, let's look at a big builder conversion. We 
converted a builder and and you know you'd notice you know and it took time right i, I mean it, it the whole process took time because you had to get everybody on board the plumbing contractor had to be on board the divisions had to be on board there are so many parts and pe our own people had to be on board i mean that's and the distributors so every you know every segment had to be you know lock lockstep with with one another and you know, I can remember going to meetings. And I won't say the person's name, but it was one of our senior executives said, "Where the hell's the purchase order?" You know, <laughs> it's like, "Well, where's the beef?" And so, what we ended up doing is, you know, over time, obviously, you know, we get a conversion. We created some metrics and, and and some processes to track that. And actually, you know, typically, uh, you know, you'd write a quotation that we could, distributors would release off of a quotation for, but you know, it wasn't for every item, obviously it was for the high volume item and we were able to track it there. And then, we, you know, we had monthly reports. And I mean, I would, one of the reasons I, I, I probably built as many relationships and, and know so many people is, I mean, I would check these things because, you know, my reputation was on the line. I was telling, senior leaders at Kohler that we had converted a national builder that was going to generate $10 million of business a year, right? So my reputation was on the line. So, so we, over time, we, we developed more sophisticated methods and processes. And again, I would phone every touch point that I could to make sure that the paperwork had been signed, that the distributor had placed the order, the plumbing contractor had placed the order, and you know, over time, that process becomes uh, improved, right, and not as complex and complicated. So, so yeah, we did, did develop the systems and 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 uh, uh, operating systems over time that that helped tracking that. It's still not a perfect science. I, I mean, it's 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 certainly better, Brad. But but I think you know my backfill, Brian Humphrey, so you know, who's just an amazing leader. I I think. You know, we struggle a little bit with the same things, but but it has gotten better. I mean, we have conversion reports, or I had conversion reports that were required on a monthly basis. And if it wasn't for um, our our sales analyst, I don't know whether you've ever met her, Georgina Sluka. Well, she goes by, but Georgina, mm -hmm. who is really kind of the backbone of that. I mean, Georgina's full time job was was really tracking that business for us, and she did an outstanding job. And she's, yeah, so that's she's, a long, that's a very long-winded answer to uh, to your question. But we did develop the uh, the policies, procedures, and systems over time. But to it me, did take time. yeah, to me, it's a major undertaking. I I know just in my experience, and of course, I'm only dating back to you know my recent experience as a business owner. But the building industry is so fragmented, right? And it it's, is, yeah. It's it's um. You know, social media has helped some ways, I think, connect some of us and figure out, you know, try to be more unified in systems and understand products that's out there. But from your side, especially years ago, before all this technology and social media and, and information overload, if you will, from internet and YouTube is, although you're trying to commit builders, um, you know, and plumbers, right, to say, okay, come use our product. You know, it's one thing to have to specify, but they have to understand the training, they have to send them why, you know, what's the benefit right. of this product? Why should I use this? How will this change my business? How will this eliminate warranty calls or service calls, you know, by the performance? And, and so was there a service element or a training element that assisted you? Because there has to be that onboard side too, to really get people to commit and, and buy in. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we're blessed and you know, you, you know, some of our marketing people, you're connected with them, but we're blessed with an outstanding marketing organization that really assisted us in putting together the tools and resources that were needed to, to, to train people. Because I mean, we couldn't have, we couldn't have done it by ourselves. And I think really involving other segments of the business really, um, boosts credibility or increases the credibility of the sales team as well. But I mean, we, we did that. I mean, cause we had on board the builder, the builder, you know, the, and it's the purchasing people. That's the portal we normally go through, but then, you know, you spread throughout the organization. Then it's like sales, construction, warranty, uh, division people, division sales people. Then it's a plumbing contract. I mean, you know, 
nothing works, Brad, if it's forced. It, it just really in the long run is, is, is not a recipe for success. So I wanted to make certain that everybody along the way, right, everybody involved in the channel felt that they were sold rather than forced. And, and it worked best if, if we were able to do it that way. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it, it was really fragmented. But, you know, Kohler, and I, you've seen some of this and you've benefited from some of this as well. But I mean, the tools that they have available are amazing. Um, but in many instances, you know, some of these tools had to be customized for, for the individual builders based on product specification. So how quickly did it evolve? I mean, how have you seen it evolve now, like to what the builder program is today as opposed to when you started it, you know, years ago? Well, you know, some things have changed, right? And, 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 and others haven't. I, th I think the focus is still on, on the largest group, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, if you, if you, those were, you know, if you look at the large national builders, let's take a little bit of a step back, but you know, when I started the, the, the top 10 builders did about 5% of, of the housing, uh, house closings in the U S today, they do over 30%, right? So, I mean, there's been that explosive growth, but yet, you know, th there's all sorts of figures of the number of active builders in the United States, but I guess I would rely on the national home builder figures, uh, to be the most accurate. Um, there's over 37,000 active NHB home builders, and they claim to build 80% of the uh, of the homes in the U.S. So I mean, so you know, you, you've got a really fragmented. You still have a fragmented business. I mean, there's been consolidation, right? The big have gotten bigger. Now they account for 30%, but yet, it, but that's happened really at the top. So anyway, it's. It still is fragmented. Our business, you know, has has gone, you know, from from calling on the top 25 to really diving down to that, I would say, 100. But in addition to that, it's also industry leaders. I mean, we want to make sure that above and beyond our local salespeople, and I believe that's still the most important uh, link, right? But we want to make sure that there's additional touch points, uh, be it marketing, be it IT. I mean, we've connected builders with all sorts of different um, uh, links, but, you know, so this is, I, I'm, I'm rambling here and I Not knew this would happen at some point because <laughs> I could talk forever about this. But the other thing that's changed is, so we're calling on a, a larger universe of builders. We also, a few years ago, added uh, the multifamily segment to that. And we added additional resources, meaning human resources, to cover that market, that market as well. Um, so you know, so those are some of the things that 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 have changed, and and I, you know, I, I think you'll probably see considerable changes in the future as technology continues to advance. Um, I, you know, that's just going to happen. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. 
And many of the guests that we brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops, you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. I know part of our interaction and how you and I met was through CBUSA, right? So CBUSA, right. which is acquired by Build-A-Trend, and you know, they have, we were together at the last conference in Colorado this past year, but you know, the working with the national home builders is understanding, you know, I look at Phoenix, Phoenix is a market that's dominated. Huge. Right. It's dominated. It's the largest. The, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's, it's unique. They own the land. They, they, they own everything. And so it's, um, they, they have a huge pool in Arizona, right. And, and really dictate the market. It's not the case everywhere, but especially in Arizona. And, and so you look at CBSA, do you, what was part of the reason that, that you went down that road while it was this an opportunity where, okay, I, we understand the big players in the production industry, but now this is opportunity again, getting back to the fragmented portion. We have a lot of semi-production, semi-custom and custom builders. How can we mirror this and group these people together to now be part of the Kohler brand? Well, what attracted me to, to CBUSA really was, was Bill Smithers. Um, Bill is a tremendous individual. I had known him many, many years ago when he was a regional president at, uh, uh, division president at Ryland. We, we got to know one another. And then I followed Bill's career and he organized this group. And he invited me out to one of their meetings and I met these builders and I thought, you know, this is really a, a, a unique group of, of builders. And I thought, you know, they're, they're independent and they're smaller but yet they're forward you know thinking and and really they're in many of their markets they were the trendsetters right they were the ones that were you know they'd build the 5 10 15 houses and then the nationals would kind of copy some of the things that they were doing you know to, they they would extract the best so it really I, I i thought number 1 this is a group that's going to grow and number 2 it's a group that i can we not only I, but we, meaning Kohler Company, can learn from. So, you know, uh, we we became associated with, with uh, CBUSA. I think the smartest decision I ever made, and I probably should have made it earlier, but, you know, is really treating CBUSA as a national builder account. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I think if you look at them collectively, what does it represent? I think it represents like the sixth largest home. Yeah, if you look top at, 10 for sure. In aggregate. Mm -hmm. So it's it's certainly a top ten builder, and uh, I I just was always impressed with with the way that they you know it, there it was totally transparent and sharing best practices and and an interest in product you know and an interest in marketing and and uh, I just really I I mean I I still miss the the frequent interaction with the group um, uh, it, it's yeah it. It really was one of the highlights of my career. But I mean, it's it's also grown substantially. I mean, if I look, so that's, you know, we track those sales with, again, Georgina helps, you know, with the connection with CBUSA and has a program. But I mean, if you look at the growth of our business, Kohler's business with CBUSA, particularly over the past two or three years, it's been it's been remarkable. It, it really has been. But from that, also a lot of individual relationships, right? And and I think friendships have evolved from that. And that certainly has been, you know, very, very rewarding. I love that you shared the friendship part. I mean, I look back, you know, I joined CBSA a few years ago as well. And I had, you know, had connections with Kohler. I'd been back 
uh, you know, Houston that's there. Yeah. And I, I met yeah. him and Darren, you know, and, yep. and because our local sales rep, who's Michelle Frey, I mean, she had me go yeah. back and then I was able to meet the social media team and, you know, go back and see the back room of Kohler, which right. is pretty amazing. The brain there, yeah. which I, I know it's like proprietary, so I can't share, you know, their backend stuff, but, um, you know, Sanjay and everyone that's back there. But, but what's amazing about this, I remember early in my life, right in high school, when I, I ran cross country and track and my coach said, Brad, you'll realize in life, it's not what you know, but who you know. And it's, it's not that you uh, miscommunicate or leverage these relationships in a bad way, but the reality is, you know, I look at CBSA and, and joining that group, Rod Collum, who's here in a big, you know, right. he's, he's uh, really yep. driven this program and been a great mentor for me, but the camaraderie, the understanding the systems, right? So being in this, you know, you're networking with other professionals, you're understanding uh, how they do business and how that's better my business. But then I look at the vendor side and through that organization is now I meet Wally, right? I meet other people that at in this day and age, and you talked about this earlier on in the conversation, it's it's not as stressful for you today being the brand ambassador, but no, the reality is for, for me it's less stressful. For you it's less. But for me, I'm dealing with supply chain, I'm no, dealing with publication. And yeah. yet there's connections made at Kohler through these yeah. programs, some friendships which now that can help you. They do help. And and they've Absol helped give Absol me product. They've helped I mean Kohler right. you think a billion dollar business that they're doing custom fixtures for, yeah. you know, custom finishes for some of my clients, you know, that's unique. That's, that's not common from, you know, a manufacturer and to have those relationships, how long, you know, th this really has made a big impact on me, my business and everything we're doing as a company. But see, I don't think you need any of us anymore because now you know David Kohler, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Wally who? No, I mean, fortunately I was able but, to meet him. And when you had me out for the Ryder Cup, which is just an amazing experience. I mean, that was so fun. I mean, just but but everyone at Kohler, I mean, it's just such a unique, unique, unique company. And I love the culture, and that's one of the things that 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 that's I, I love my job. I love the culture. I you know love Kohler Company, and this is not an advertorial for them. You know, the work was, like I said earlier, the work was hard. But you know, when when you have a passion for something, and when you really love something, it's you know it's 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 a great feeling. But you know, I I, I would tell you that you know as we talked, you, you met David Kohler. I think he gave you his business card and, and you know, our other, other Kohler senior executives are the same way. If you really need help or you have a question, you know, you can pick up the phone and call them. They're reachable. And I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting you do that on a daily <laughs> basis, but I mean, if you need help, they're there to help and it's, it's sincere. And I've always, always uh, had a high regard and respect that the owners of the company are so, so accessible. It is amazing because it's not like Kohler's a small company. I mean, this is a major, no, it's a major player in many yeah. other industries, even outside of the plumbing industry, right? Kohler has a footprint in many different aspects. Absolutely. So, yep. so what has been your favorite part about working for Kohler? I mean, how many, if you don't mind me asking Wally, how many years yeah. have you spent there? Because what's amazing to me is, you know, Brian, Georgina, I mean, a lot of everyone I've met, I mean, they've been there, they don't leave. Like there's a reason they don't leave Kohler. <laughs> Well, and and I think the culture is a is a big part of it, but but I've I was associated my years of service forty two with with Kohler Company. So rare. And it, well, yeah, it is rare. And I look at my own kids, and and you know they've they've gone up the ladder perhaps perhaps faster, but you know so what? They've they've also changed jobs. Each one of them has changed jobs a number of times, but um, I, I think what I well, I shouldn't say I think what I know that I've liked best about Kohler is really the people. I mean, and again, you've had the opportunity to meet a number of Kohler people, be they in sales or marketing or executive or, you know, or uh, uh, from the uh, from the social media marketing communication side. You know, it's, it's just a passionate, dedicated, talented, smart group of people. I mean, they made me look good. And, you know, it also helps that you know, it, it, it's a fun group of people. Um, it, it's it's really been a wonderful place uh, for me to, you know, to to grow my career, and uh, so that's been that's been the best part of it. I would say the other thing is the actual work, you know, the work that I did, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I think about having a passion for architecture, residential architecture, not commercial. And when I think about, you know, as, as a kid wanting to, uh, you know, wanting to having an interest in home building and and those products. And I think about my interest all my life and, you know, leading a team 
and you know I had the opportunity to do that at Kohler and look there was a lot of luck involved um, but I was a lucky guy I mean I, I, I really feel you know that uh, luck had a little bit to do with that and there's nothing there's certainly nothing wrong with that it's interesting, you know, I've, I've given a lot of thought to the term luck because I consider the same. I, I look at my career path and relationships in certain contexts and there's a lot of luck involved. But, you know, especially as I meet people such as yourself, Floyd, that have had such a successful career, I mean, th- there is something to be said that by, by working hard, doing the right thing, communicating, right? Building a team, building a network. I mean, essentially you're creating your own luck, right? I mean, you're, you've put yourself in a position where by being where you're supposed to be, by doing what you're supposed to be doing, learning to empower, I mean, it's going to create that own luck and create those opportunities that maybe right. would not have shown themselves, you know, had you not been doing what you should be doing. Right. Great. And, and let me ask this, Wally, because especially going back to the builder side, you know, that, this is a curious uh, question for me because I look now, w- one thing that's really tough is we're growing our business, you know, a small business owner. How do you increase sales? How do you figure out your marketing strategy. You know, how am I, you know, if I just email or phone call the top architecture firm or top design firm, you know, rarely will I get a call back. Rarely will I get up the right channel to make that right connection. You know, how did you, how did you do this, especially early on where, you know, like we said, here's a big national biller. How do we figure out the division? How, how do, how do we get their ear? How do we get time? I mean, is there a secret to that success to really capture that audience? Well, for me, it was building a network of industry friends, you know, and, and that, that doesn't happen immediately. That that ho- happens over time. But, you know, I, I I think you have to recognize, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. And it's like, geez, I don't have all the answers to all these things. Other people have been through some of these things. So over time, you know, I developed a, a network of industry friends. And, you know, I'll give you an example. So this goes back to... I think early two. I think two thousand one. But um, through builder shows and stuff like that, you know, we, we kept on running, and the same group kept on running into one another. You know, it was the Anderson Window people, the Dupont Surfaces and Tyvek people at the time, GE Appliance, and and so anyway, at one of the shows, we were having a drink, and somebody said, "Why don't we get together?" on a formalized basis just to talk about the industry. And we thought that was a good idea to get us as sales and marketing leaders together. And we formed this group called the Manufacturers Brand Council. We actually had a charter. And you know it doesn't exist today because everybody ended up later going different directions and schedules got busy, but we still keep up with, an, uh, with one another. But anyway, what we were able to do is we would meet formally once definitely once and sometimes twice a year and we'd share like you do with cbusa uh in groups you know we'd share best practices and uh we signed uh ndas and these obviously are non-competing right people but we were talked openly about the industry and what the opportunities were and what the problems were where we could help one another and so at the end of the day, Brad, I would tell you, you know, it was really, it, it turned into friends helping friends. And all of a sudden I get stuck. Let's say that I had a personality conflict with a top official at a national builder. I'd call one of these people up and say, hey, how were you able to get through to this person? And, you know, I it, really, these were very important relationships. And I still keep up with, we still keep up, you know, we get Christmas cards and we remember birthdays and stuff. But I think it's having that lifeline. And, you know, for me, I learned a lot more about the industry. It was it just wasn't from Kohler's perspective, but it was a broader perspective. And I think that, you know, helped me. There's no doubt that it helped me. And I think it made me more, more valuable to Kohler. And I th- think it made me more more valuable to my team members. And that's something that, you know, that I, that I hope I taught them as well, that, you know, you need to expand your horizons. You need to see what the entire, and again, I think that's the reason for, for being interested, not just only in what national builders are doing, but all builders. I mean, it, it just broadens, broadens your perspective on things. 
That's absolutely genius. I mean, you think about broadening horizons, and I never have heard a vendor or manufacturer speak about this, Wally, where you're looking at this, okay, well, how do we bridge that connection? Well, let's work with some other national brands. They're not direct competitors of Kohler, but they're people that have had breakthroughs in the industry. They have relationships. And I look at that from my side, you know, one of the, again, going back to Rod Collin, which I'll give a plug here. um, You know, he pulled me aside and this was at the Builder Show in Orlando many years ago. I mean, this had to have been four or five years ago and he pulled me aside and he said, hey, Brad, the biggest benefit, the biggest thing I ever did in my career was join a Builder 20 program, right? And he was part of Magleby in Utah and some other great builders. And um, he said, you know, Brad, it's similar to you, Wally, where you're signing NDAs you're expanding your market. And what's unique is that we're all trying, you know, there's enough work, right? A lot of us have the mentality of abundance, but it's like, okay, how do we, how do we build these connections and relationships? How do we refine our business, which will then be a uh, value to someone that we're selling to. And so right. by doing that, you have this network of people. And I look at that, I look at my competitors, essentially, I mean, I'm not direct competing, but competitors to some extent that are now giving me information, maybe relationships. I look at my local market, you know, hey, Wally, who are you using as a great interior designer? Who's been a great architect? You know, what, what's their process? You know, what are some of the great subs or trade partners that you're using? And I reach out to a lot of my peers and most of us don't compete. I mean, maybe a little bit, but that, right. that opens up new channels, as you're mentioning. Well, and think of the time and effort that that saves you rather than having to do all that research, right? And start from the very beginning. Here you have testimony from leaders, you know, whether they're local market leaders or whether they're large national leaders, but you've got that testimony. And I, yeah, I just, it, it, we really, we helped one another and we actually helped one another convert builders as well. So, I mean, it just wasn't sharing marketing practices and processes and stuff, but it, we, we actually helped each other convert, convert builders. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I miss that. I, lo- I love the example you gave too, where it's, you know, maybe you yourself were having a difficult time communicating with one of the executives at yeah. a builder. And so, hey, how did you find that secret right. to success? And, you know, sometimes I don't jive with every personality I interact with or every designer or, build- or architect. And, you know, what have other builders done to be successful? And it's just, it's, it's a cheat sheet, right? I mean, right. It, right. It, it's just a way where we don't have to experience all the pitfalls ourselves. We have someone else that have been through those and can help guide us through. But, you know, what was surprising to me was that because we tried bringing in some other big brand name manufacturers. And, and what surprised me that it, it, there wasn't always a lot of interest. To me, it seemed something natural to do, right? But I guess it's because everybody's busy, right, doing their own thing and managing their own brand and stuff. But but again, I just found great, great benefit and uh, tremendous value from doing that. Uh, it's such great insight. So, I, I mean, being at Kohler for 42 years, while and I know you still are a brand ambassador and involved to some extent as a consultant, you know, how has the company changed? What have, what have you seen some of the big changes oh, that wow. took place, you know, in the last 40 years? Well, I, you know, I, Kohler's privately held and, and they don't, uh, you know, publish their figures, but I, I can tell you, I, when, when I, joined the company, I think we were doing like 350 million. And today, you know, the company is doing in excess of seven, seven and a half billion dollars. My information may be just a little bit dated, but I mean, so growth is certainly, I mean, it's just been amazing, amazing growth. Um, So that's, you know, that's a big change. But, you know, I, I would say that really the change that I've seen, so when I joined the company, you know, Cole, there were nine colors and four faucet finishes. (laughs) And the bathroom, you know, Kohler had embarked previously on this bold look of of Kohler campaign and really took the bathroom out of the closet, so to speak. But it wasn't the fashion industry that it became and that it is today. So really, if if I look at a couple areas, you know, it's really the the elevation of the kitchen and bath into the fashion industry. And I mean, I think even our competitors would admit that Kohler really um, is, has been the leader in, in, in doing that. So it's, it's become, a, as I would refer to it, it's become a home fashion industry. And you know, today you have, you may know this better than I do, but I mean, I, I think today there's 25 colors and then there's like special colors and there's artist edition finishes and then you rather than four faucet finishes you know now you've got 
I believe there's 17 finishes. So, I mean, just the choice that the consumer has and the design and style, you know, and it's not just at the upper end. I, I think, you know, Kohler's acquisition of Sterling back in, in the 80s was, was brilliant. I mean, you know, you've got a portfolio of product, you know, and I'll speak specifically to the builder that spans everything from entry level all the way through, you know, through the highest end custom. So, I mean, that's that's been a huge change. You know, the bathroom and the evolution of the bathroom and the kitchen. And I mean, let's face it, kitchens and master baths sell houses, right? That that has not changed. And, and Kohler certainly has recognized that. I, I think the other area uh, really of, of, of change has been on um, Water conservation and 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 sustainability. Uh, you know, technology is another area. But I mean, if you look at if you look at um, water saving and sustainability, I mean, the Kohlers have been good stewards of the environment well be well before the word sustainability you know became in vogue. And I look at you know toilets, for example. When I joined the company, you know, the industry was you know they were five to six gallon flush toilets in some instances <laughs> more and then Kohler came out with a three and a half gallon and today it's you know 1.6 or or, or 1.25 somewhere in that neighborhood I, I mean just think of you know and that's the largest water consuming appliance in the house and you know think of that and Kohler's led with technology and you know making sure that the products you know, that they're not sacrificing style and performance. You know, the same thing's true on the faucet side of the business with water savings. But I would say, you know, the movement toward toward uh, sustainability, water conservation, and just the overall green movement has been, you know, has been a, a major change at, at Kohler. And, and you know, I, th I think the Kohlers, you know, have they're doing it because they want the world to be a better place. And uh, and that's the approach that that they've taken to this. I, I love that. And we'll come back to the fashion industry comment, which I think is a fascinating. We can go down that road for a while. But going to the sustainability, you know, there has to be a commitment, not just something we're doing for PR, you know, um, you, you know, to market. But the reality is to really feel passionate about it. And I know, you know, like your Ansax line, right? You go in and you have a whole product of tile now, right? right. That is right. from ceramic and other products that are essentially waste you're like okay well how do we reuse this and and optimize this and then you know the water saving or you know the self-cleaning toilets i mean there's just a lot of things that the kohler has been ahead of the curve right. you know for sustainability which you know ha having that passion again it just gives much more um you know for for someone such as myself as a builder or product that we're putting in the market you know that's something we're conscious of and our clients are conscious of and so having a brand that is on board with that. I mean, it makes a huge difference. Well, and they've they've really led the way. And I, you know, I, I go back to uh, really the roots of of Kohler. You know, cast iron. You know, cast iron plumbing products, cast iron bathtubs. I mean, and and the the recyclable nature of that product. You know, it it, it really is pretty amazing the commitment that the company has made to. To sustainability and and uh, the resources. I mean, that's one thing that they've you know there there aren't you know a few people involved in this from an engineering uh, product uh, design. Uh, you know, there there there's a large group of people that are behind this effort internationally with Kohler Company. Yeah, I love that. And then going to the fashion side, I mean, it's funny is you know we. Uh... Here in Arizona, we don't have the historic homes like you'd see in the Northeast that have been around hundreds of years, but even homes that were built, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in our market, right? You walk in and you'll have the kitchen like right at the front door and it's small and not open and then this weird master or primary bathroom. And so it's amazing how now, as as you mentioned, technology, college got into just that whole bathroom experience. You wake up, how do you start your day, you know, with, you know... In our house, we have the Moxie shower, which is awesome. You know, the speaker yeah. shower. And yeah. then you have, you know, the light of mirrors and, you know, all the different technology where you can speak to it and the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth and how that whole experience changed from that, that spa-like mentality, the digital shower that you're waking up. And, you, you know, it, it's amazing how you have, you use the term fashion, that you've really dictated a market for the customer base, whether it's Sterling, Kohler, or Calissa, the different levels that they can customize and really you know, create that energy and that inspiration, you know, to start your day every, you know, each and right, every morning. Right, right. Well, you know, and, and what I started to, 
there really weren't any builder design centers. I mean, if, I'm trying to think of of actual builders that I called on in the early years that had design centers, and really most builders uh, relied on the plumbing wholesales, uh, plumbing wholesalers showroom. You know, and typically those were by a plumbing counter, and they certainly weren't in what I would call retail friendly areas. But you know, over the years, as as the portfolio of products has has in, increased, um, you know, Kohler's commitment to to design centers has increased as well. I mean, you know, the Kohler store, the Kohler signature store, the Kohler experience stores. I mean, they've put a ton of of uh, you know financial and human resources to provide you know a pleasant experience for you, the builder, and your customer, you know, the home buyer, that you can go in to these things and and uh, you know select product and be inspired. It's you know it's it's uh, it's a big business and it didn't used to be uh, a big business when I was around. You know you like I said there weren't there just weren't a lot of choices. But you know I would look at and and both of these builders are certainly in your market. But you know two national builders that I think do it well and have refined the process over the years. You know KB Home on the entry level to to mid price point. I I think they've done a very good job uh, and tell an effective story in their, in their design studios. And then at the higher end of the market, Toll Brothers. And uh, they, they really, um, those two builders, you know, again, different builders serving different markets, but uh, they've committed a lot of resources, both financial and human resources in the, in the design center market. So I, I expect that that would continue to grow. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've seen this evolve, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm asked that, you know, different panels or, or networking events, you know, how has the industry changed, especially since COVID, right? You know, through the pandemic. And, yeah. You know, for me, with our client base, you know, something I've always pushed is, you know, our clients that they, they understand, especially at the level that we're trying to achieve, that we need to have a great architect and a great designer, right? And And the value for them, I mean, I look at our customers that, understood good design and have good design. You know, here's a pandemic where a lot of people were locked in their home. You know, they uh, were working from home. They didn't have the ability to travel like before. And so as you, you look at that, you know, mental health has become such an important Absolutely. conversation point. And, and, and so many people that we think are successful say, I struggle with mental health. I mean, from athletes to every industry. And you look at, well, having products, you know, touchless faucets, you know, when you're thinking about germs, thinking about, you know, how does this design inspire me as I'm waking up every day in my home and I'm working from home and I'm stuck essentially, how do I feel? And, and there's no value you can put on that, right? There's no dollar. And so where you have someone like, such as Kohler that has these innovative products and the fashion and then also the convenience and the sustainability, I mean, you put that together and it just creates an atmosphere that motivates you and, and really can help, especially, you know, because who knows what may come in the future. Well, I think that goes back to the culture that we talked about earlier. I think all of those are ingredients into, you know, what what makes Kohler different, right, from from their competitors. And you know, talking about design centers, though, and you, you're probably more in tune with this stuff than than I am, because I'm I'm admittedly not the tech guy. But you know, I I, I was reading something in one of the builder trade magazines. But about this augmented and virtual reality, and I, I mean, I can remember going into see Rod Cullum, and he had me put on these classes, and it was, I mean, I, I, I was going through the house, right, the finished house, and just sitting there in a chair. And I mean, this augmented and virtual reality, and, you know, I mentioned physical design centers, which Kohler is, you know, committed to and, and all the resources, but I mean, also these new technologies. Uh, that they're committed to, and I, I think the pandemic t has has really helped accelerated some of this as well. But I, you know, I, I'm absolutely amazed that people are buying houses, selecting product, closing on the house without ever leaving their house. I, I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling. And uh, you know, I, I, again, you know me, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I like to walk model homes. Yeah. I like to touch product. And I think there's still a group of people that, that want to do that. 
But, you know, a lot of people are really busy and uh, particularly the younger folks like my kids, they don't have a lot of time to do that. And they, they can make these decisions. They can buy cars online. Um, so it's it's really pretty amazing when you look at the technology and 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 how things have changed. Well, to that point, I mean, I looked through our design process and yeah, I mean, the Matterport, right, where they can have essentially tour the home without being there. But, you know, you, you lack the touch and feel. But I will say one of the benefits, like the VR you were talking about, or yeah. or even our clients that are doing, our, our architects that go through this experience where Solstice, you know, anything about Phoenix, it is so important to understand where that sun is, you know, oh, in, yeah. in the south and yeah. west in, in that yeah. summer. Bring it, bring it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure right now in Chicago, but yeah. from January to about, or I'm sorry, from June to about October, right? I mean, that is, yeah. you know, we're conscious of where that sun's at and, and especially in those afternoons, you know, four, five, six PM. And so the architects that understand that and can design the home, you know, to have either cover or shade or, you know, different things to keep the sun from penetrating. I mean, it's just so valuable to the customer base, but you know, I, I want to be sensitive to your time, Wally. I know you're busy, but, in, you know, as as we we get close to the end here, I mean, what is, you know, what what is something about Kohler that, that's always impressed you that maybe the public or we don't know? Hmm. Well, it, I don't think most people probably know that Kohler, as long as I can remember for a very long time, uh, has consistently reinvested 90% or more of its earnings into the company. And I, I, I think that's, you know, really important when you think of, you know, funding the growth of the company and expansion and so forth. And, you know, really requires a lot of fiscal discipline. So, you know, that's not shared, it's shared in some presentations, but it hasn't been shared a lot. I don't think I'm telling you a secret that I would get in trouble uh, telling, but I mean, I've always been impressed with that. That you know, the family has has made that that investment not only in Kohler, but it's in the industry, right? So I think that's uh, that's one thing that comes to to mind. And, and I love did that. You know that. Did you know that? I, I didn't, but I actually love that because you know, you look at today, and it's you know, I I don't want to get off topic here, but you think about some of the benefits of capitalism. But one of the destructive elements of capitalism is greed, right? And if you're if you're on a board that's strictly looking at bottom line and profits, right, you kind of miss the mark of what the goal of the company and the people that, that build right. that. And to have someone with the capacity and, and size of Kohler to consistently invest in the industry and themselves and in the family and as well as, you know, the employees and the product, I mean, it goes a long way and it really shows why they have people such as yeah. yourself, Wally, that have had that amazing tenure there. Well, and four generations of, 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 Kohler family members running the company, private ownership. I, I mean, I it, the, and and really the the long term view. You know, the fact that they're they're they continue to make, you know, significant investment investments in in the business. Um, they certainly look at the bottom line, and that certainly is important. But again, uh, they're willing to take some risks that perhaps other publicly held companies are not willing to. So what keeps you busy, Wally? I mean, as much as, you know, I know now that you're, you know. <laughs> There's a honey I have to shovel <laughs> snow this afternoon. So. <laughs> you know, outside of the honeydews and, and the years you spent at Kohler, I mean, what's your outlet? Well, part of the outlet, you know, again, this this consultant brand ambassador, it's, it's not taking up a lot of time, but again, it's fun to be able to to talk to you, right? This is this is more fun than I expected. I don't necessarily like being on camera, <laughs> but uh, it's fun to to stay connected, and and uh, I've been able to do that with a number of industry friends as well as uh, Brian Humphreys and some of the team. I don't bother them very often. I they they I hope they'll tell you that, but you know we connect every once in a while to talk about things. So so that's been fun. Um, I you know, have uh, four children and uh, four grandkids with a fifth on the way. So uh, most of them are in the Chicago area, one's up in Minneapolis. So the opportunity to spend time with with family whenever we can, uh, you know, I, I really cherish that. You know, I'm still working on that hole in one. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I haven't got it yet. But, but, you know, I just love, absolutely love the game of golf. And I'm you know, my game need, need, needs a lot of improvement, uh, but I'm I'm addicted, and I just think it's wonderful. You know, the other thing is is in retirement, we've been able to spend more time up the lake, uh, up in northern Minnesota at Upper Whitefish, and uh, we 
never have been able to before. You know, we'd go up there for a couple of weeks uh, during the summer, but it's, you know, it's nine hours from here. So now we can spend more time. We spent most of the summer up there and, um, you know, cooking. So, you know, the pandemic has, has forced some new hobbies and, and cooking. I'm actually finding that that's relaxing and uh, test my culinary uh, work, but I think staying fit is, you know, is the other one. And that's really more serious. So, you know, I'm 68 and it, 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 staying fit becomes harder as you get older. Uh, I work with a trainer, you know, one of the gifts to myself is I work with a trainer once a week. I'll probably bump that up to twice. And Debbie and I get out. We had been getting out daily, but, but typically we get out or I'll do the treadmill, but you know, five miles briskly uh, a day. So, um, yeah, so I'm investing in that. And, you know, in, 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 in retirement or semi-retirement, there's, there's no lack of things to do. I was afraid of that in the beginning, but, you know, now it's, it's, it's doing things at my own pace. And that's, that's really a great, you know, that's the gift of retirement. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Well, I love that. And, and I will commend you because you are very fit for 68. And I know at the Power 30 <laughs> conferences for CBUSA, you know, you're there working out early before we start, you know, super early in the morning and you don't miss that. And, uh, I know from, well, your uh, buddy Rod Killam tried killing me on a hike <laughs> going up the mountain. He's, he's more fit than I am. And I think we're about, he may be a little bit younger, but anyway, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's fitness is, um, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I love exercise, but you know, to get out for a brisk walk and stuff and get some fresh air is, is, is a good thing. Well, there's some great hikes here. So once, yeah, once uh, yeah, we can get you back, we'll have that. to take you on Arizona. And and I will say I'm it's closing, you know, it, we, we won't let you away for those that don't know the CBUSA. We have a Power 30 and there's actually the Wally Award and, you know, which is a tribute to your integrity and just, the, you know, the relationships you built in the industry, which is really amazing. And so Wally, well, I think- highlight of my career, certainly. It's amazing. And, and grateful to, to call you a friend and for, for yeah, having you make time here. today on the podcast. And so for those listening, you know, website, uh, social media, we'll get them tagged for Kohler. Anything else that we should tag or, or let our listeners know where to find you? They can find me on the telephone. Right? <laughs> so I still, this is still the best way to reach me. And that's 847-609-9881. And uh, the other way is, you know, and I, I prefer a live conversation versus text. I mentioned that earlier. Or you can send me an email, and it's 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 Walter Schwartz. So I go by Wally, but it's Walter Schwartz at Kohler.com or Schwartz eleven twenty nine at Gmail dot com. So it's amazing. Yeah, I don't have a lot of not a lot of hashtags and not a lot of. If I'm on Facebook, it's only because the kids have posted something, <laughs> and I don't know how the hell to get it off of there. <laughs> well, but yeah, that's where you can reach me, or you can reach me. I mean, if people are going to the Builder Show. Right. I, I will be at the Builder Show in Orlando, uh, February 8th through the 10th. And I believe the Kohler booth number is W1100, W1100. Yeah, 1100. Well, Wally, I can't wait to catch up with you. I'll be in Orlando. I'll be at the Builder Show. So plug Beautiful. for him there. And so I'll, I think I'm on a panel with Kohler, I think one of the okay. days. So we'll catch up there Good. again. And I uh, can't thank you I'll enough for making to time it. today. Happy to. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.